Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. These messages are just kind of revisiting some of the most basic fundamentals of Christian life. Uh, we're, we're taking a look at things in our lives that can be made new through the finished work of Calvary. And today, we're going to take a look at the fact that you and I, through Christ Jesus, can have, and if we know him, should have a new life. Come on, somebody. You shouldn't be the same person that you were before you got saved. If we're walking in relationship with Jesus Christ, we should not be the same. As a matter of fact, furthermore, if you have been walking with the Lord some time, then your life shouldn't be the same year over year over year. But you should find that you are constantly maturing in the things of the Lord and, and growing up into the full measure of Him who is Christ, the head of the church. So, um, now I just want to put in another plug here if you'll, if you'll suffer here with me for just a few minutes more. You guys need to join us on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., down in rooms 105, 107 for our midweek Bible study, Wednesdays in the Word. And uh, so if you'll meet us down there, you can grab a cup of coffee and let's study the Word together, those of you that aren't involved in other ministries here at the church. And I highlight this today because uh, of the fact that we'll be studying, what we'll be studying today comes from a passage that we recently explored in our Wednesdays in the Word. And those of you Wednesday night folks, when I said turn to Colossians 3, you immediately knew where we were going with this because we haven't been too long come out of it. Um, so, but I want to ask some of my Wednesday night people, aren't there a lot of things that we cover on Wednesday night in that small setting that you'd like to share with the entire congregation? So we're going to take that opportunity here this morning. So today as you follow along with us, you'll not only find notes on the back of your bulletins, if you've got those, those are also available on the app. Uh, you can find those there as well. But these notes actually have little blanks in them. And uh, for all of you OCD people, we're going to try to provide you with all of the uh, fill-ins for those blanks here so you don't have to leave here all disheveled and upset because you have a missing blank there. How many of you, that would drive you nuts this morning? Yep, uh-huh, all right, all right. So we'll, we'll try to help you there. Um, so sometimes when we speak about the issue of Christian maturity, we may feel that we're going to mature by proximity. In other words, if we just come to church enough, if we stay in Christian circles and close to Christian people long enough, we're just going to grow up in Christ. Sometimes we may feel that we're going to mature as a byproduct of the passing of time. That we may say, well, I've been saved these 25, 30 years, however long it is, however long it has been since your salvation experience, that just by the passage of time that you're going to automatically grow as your natural body has grown because of the passage of time. But how many of you know that's not true? I'm not going to ask you if you know somebody who's been saved for the last 50 years, but they still act like a child. I would, I would not put you in that position. Sometimes we may feel like we're going to mature because of the growth of our knowledge base. 
In other words, we, we've been to these Sunday morning settings, we've been to the Sunday school classes, we've been through the discipleship training, and our knowledge base has expanded. We can quote scripture, we can just, we know all of the principles and precepts, and we just, we've got this Christian thing down. I mean, we know it inside and out. But in the book of Colossians, where we've turned our attention this morning, Paul reaches a turning point in this letter to this church, and up until now, it's been much about theology. It's been about precept and principle. He's been leading these people through messages about the centrality of Jesus Christ to salvation and, and the gospel message. He's been talking about the preeminence of Christ over creation. He's been talking about the supremacy of the gospel over the philosophies and the mysticism and all of the legalism and different things that were going on in that society. And he's been laying out a thesis in theological concepts. But when we get to chapter 3, we take a turning point and all of us somewhere in our Christian walk and not just at one place, but over and over again, we need to find that place where principle translates into practice. We all need that turning point where instead of simply an expansion of the knowledge base, that knowledge base begins to affect how and how we do business in this life, how we conduct ourselves as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that being said, we're going to take a turn here into chapter 3 and really for the remainder of this book, and we're not going to try to cover the whole half of Colossians here this morning, but in chapter 3, Paul takes an, a turn here and he turns from theological principle now to practical application. So if you've got your spot there in Colossians 3, I invite you to turn with me and begin there at verse 1. And it says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now I want to point your attention first and foremost here this morning to the term raised with Christ. We're talking this morning about having a new life. Having a new life as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what that term raised in Christ means. It speaks of the new life of the believers. This new existence. We're not the people that we were before we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? So here we are, and then we read immediately in verse 2 here, it says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Matter of fact, in verse 1, right out of the gate, it, it starts there. So that it commands this word, this term, raised with Christ, it commands a change in pursuits. Why? Because we're no longer living for ourselves. Paul puts it this way in another place. In uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I'm alive, yes, indeed, physically here before you this morning. It is undeniable. There are words coming out of my mouth. I'm animated. I'm here. I've got some sort of a pulse. But we always hear people pray it, and they pray, Oh, Lord, hide me in the shadow of your cross. Lord, don't let people see me, but let them see you through me. And that's the same thing that Paul's saying here, is that, look, I'm, I'm alive, I'm physically alive, but really the life, the practice of living that I now do in this flesh, I do by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living for him now, not me. Paul explains it to the Corinthian church this way, 1 Corinthians 6, and says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, because, because of what? Because you've been bought with a price. We've sang about it this morning. We've We've worshipped, and by the way, can I tell you how hard it is to follow that message that we received earlier this morning? Amen. Thank you, Jordan. Bless you. That was great. That was great. For we were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, I'm now living the words I speak. The, the motions I make, the choices, the decisions, I now live to glorify God. I now live that through me, his name would be lifted up and made great. That he would be glorified in my life. Now, Paul's going to share here some character differences that should be noted in the life of a believer. Can I tell you this, church? When the world looks on and says of the church... Now, granted, it has to be a valid claim. I know sometimes people just make excuses. But when the world looks on at the church and they say, why would I want to go and waste my time sitting in a church service week in and week out to come out of that place and for them to act just like me? Do you know that they are perfectly justified, as long as it's a valid claim, in saying that? Because the truth is, in my life and in your life as a believer, we should be different than the world around us. We should have a new life. Now, listen, before I, before I move forward, I want to make a distinction in terms here so that we understand why what, is, what Paul is asking us to do here in just a minute does not equate to legalism. Okay? Now... As, as I begin this discussion today, I can almost hear the pushback and some people are saying, oh no, here he comes with the rules. Here he comes with the rule books, the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. And this is not what that's about at all. You, you've heard me say, if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a hundred times that Christianity is not about the ability to keep rules. Keeping the rules for the sake of keeping the rules equates to legalism, and we all despise legalism, don't we? Earlier in this letter, Paul addresses legalism as a negative thing, and Paul is now going to say something to us, though, that it sounds so much like you better do this, and you better not do that, and you need to do this, and you need not do that, but that is not the heart of it at all. 
But he's going to say something to us. Sounds a little bit like that, so I don't want you to get confused here. So that's why I'm taking this time this morning to lay this foundation. Paul's going to say to us that you and I, as believers, have a responsibility to take off and to put on. Just the same way that I physically did that in my physical man, as it pertains to your spirit, there are some things in your heart and in your spirit and in your life that it is your responsibility to see to it that they are put down and there are also some character attributes of Christ that we are to see to it that we are picking up. Now, I want to define for you righteousness because we throw around theological terms sometimes and we expect that everybody understands. But I just very simply want to define righteousness for you this morning. And righteousness simply defined is this. It's standing in right relationship with God. It's God looking at you and saying he's all right. He's all right. Now I want to also point to this to you very quickly. Righteousness is never found in the Bible as a commandment. It is a requirement. You have to be found righteous in the sight of God to gain access into heaven and spend eternity with Him. You must be found righteous in His sight, but nowhere in the Word does it ever say to you and I, hey, be righteous. Do you know why it doesn't tell us to be righteous? Because we can't. There's nothing we can do. There's no, there's no good deed. There's no great thing that we can do that we will ever amass unto ourselves any righteousness. Righteousness in the Bible is always preceded by a work of the Lord. The Lord performs a work that produces righteousness in us or makes righteousness available to us. Or as the psalmist said, the Lord leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us places that will produce righteousness in us. But producing the production of righteousness is never a task that is laid on us in the word. As a matter of fact, we covered this a couple of weeks ago. Isaiah 64 says this, but we are all like an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So today, church, legalism is man engaging in works to try to produce righteousness, to make himself look good before God. But there's another precept that I want to share with you this morning and that's what Paul's talking about Paul's not talking about doing the right thing and shunning the wrong thing so that you'll be right with God you are only made right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his grace that is free you can't earn it you can't produce it you can't give it or impart it to somebody else it comes only Everybody that comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and into right relationship with God the Father come the same way through Calvary. But there's another subject and there's another principle here that I want to introduce you to and this is what Paul's talking about here today and it is the principle of holiness. That's a daunting topic in our society anymore. 
Unlike righteousness, however, holiness is found in the Bible as being a commandment. You will find in Scripture words that say to you and I, be holy. Be holy. In other words, it's your responsibility. You do it. You be holy. Now, 1 Peter 1, 15, 15 and 16 says, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And the word holiness is, is used to describe the product of man's efforts. It is. And always preceded by, You will do a thing, and it will be holy unto the Lord. Um, we could illustrate this this morning. You want to understand what holiness really is. We are here in this sanctuary this morning. And this is a building. There's nothing inherently holy about it. I mean, it's the same sheetrock. It's the same steel. It's the same brick and mortar that is in many of your homes. The same construction processes. The same, you know, so much of it is, is familiar to us because we have it in our homes. But yet we regard this as different. We regard this as a holy place. Why? Not because there's anything inherently holy. I mean, we didn't have the steel or the concrete flown in from Jerusalem or anything to, to build or construct this building. This floor is not made from the cedars of Lebanon. It's just wood. But what makes it holy is its purpose. It is set apart. It's not used in the same way that the nightclub is used. It's not used in the same way that the ball field is used. It is used to praise for the assembling together of the body of Christ to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and be instructed in His Word and be encouraged in the faith and it is set apart. That's why we do allow some things in and some things we don't. And as a holy place, it's treated differently. And Paul said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're set apart. Some people want to argue, is, it, is, it, is, is, a, is sanctification instant or is it something that's ongoing? And I say you're having the wrong argument. Because it's not either or, it's both and. From the moment you confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are set apart to call glory and, and honor to His name. But as you grow and as you walk and as you live out your faith, you should be growing and maturing in such a way that there is an even greater glory that is being brought to His name as exemplified through your life. So what, what Paul is about to tell us here is that as believers, we need to practice holiness. When's the last time any of you heard a message on holiness? Just, just asking. It's been a while, hasn't it? Oh, you've heard you're going to make it through and everything's going to be all right and, you know, just keep the faith and keep striving, keep climbing. 
You've, you've heard all the words of exhortation and encouragement, but today this is not about lifting you up, but this is about lifting him up. And every day that you live, when your feet hit the floor, it needs to be about the purpose of lifting him up and having him glorified and letting his light shine through you in a dark and dying world. So look with me, please. Verse 5, we continue here. We need to practice holiness and there are some things in our lives that need to be put off and put on as an act of consecration and showing that our lives are set apart for service to God. Verse 5 says, therefore, why? Therefore what? Because you're raised with Christ. You've got a new life in Him. Therefore, put to death the, your members which are in, on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Let me tell you something today, church. The putting off of sinful nature so that you understand this. This is not, well, God, I can't do it. I, you know, Pastor, you told me before I got saved that I would never be able to earn righteousness. I'd never be able to do enough good stuff. And now you're telling me that I need to do the stuff because before you said that I wouldn't find the strength in myself to get cleaned up enough, but now you're telling me I need to do it. Exactly. <laughs> but here's the difference. Now that you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, this is how we would define this. The putting off of sinful nature is an act of the human will guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit will come in and he will reveal things to us and he'll show us things in our lives that we need to put down, that we need to take off, that we need to push aside from. And not only will he show us those things and convict us of those things, but he will empower us to do those things. This here is where we would select an applicable fruit of the Spirit. How many of you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control? It was years, many years ago, so a lot of you will remember it, but I believe it was the comedian Flip Wilson always used to talk about how the devil made him do it. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. You didn't permit him to make you do. Because this word says that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Do you know who's in charge of you? You. You are in charge of you. Don't look around trying to point fingers, blame people, you know, just, just pass the buck. You are in charge of you. I want you to note the phraseology of verses 5 and 8. It says, therefore, put to death, since you're a new creation, since you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, put those things to death. But now, 
You, yourselves, verse 8 says. Who? Yourself. Yourself. Can I tell you something today, church? If there are things in your life that you want to be rid of, if there are things in your life that you feel convicted about, the Holy Spirit's not going to come and bop you over the head with the holy stick and make you quit it. We just, we just keep, I can't help myself. Yes, you can. But not in your own strength. But by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. By seeking Him for the fruit of the Spirit to be activated in your life. This is part of the provisions of grace. We're reminded in, in verse 6 now, and I want to I highlight this for you, that sin still incurs the wrath of God. We don't hear much of that message anymore either. But it's not all about putting off. It's also about putting on. And in the preceding verses here, beginning in verse 10, Paul instructs us that we need to put on the new man. He says, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, listen to this, put on. Is that a directive? Is that a commandment for us? To put on. Put on. Tender mercies. Wow. Kindness. Kindness. How much does it cost you to be kind? How much does it cost you to be kind? Nothing. It's free. Why don't you just distribute free gifts today everywhere you go and be kind to people? Let's start. Let's start right there, okay? Humility. Meekness. Long-suffering or patience, we might say. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if any of you has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How many of you know something can't take residence in your life if you have no awareness of it? You can't make sure it's there if you don't know it. But Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Real quick, as the elect of God, holy, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, and then Paul says, bear with one another. Bear with one another. Can I, can I just offer this to you this morning? There are some people in the body of Christ that do not share the same opinion as you about every subject. 
Were you aware of that? I know, I know some of you believe that if, you, if you're a true born-again Christian, then you're going to have all the same political views and you're going to see all of the world issues the same way, through the same lens, but that's just not so. That's not the background that, that, that pe certain people grew up in. I mean, uh, nurture has a lot to do with it. We're all different. We see the world through a different lens. I'm looking across this room this morning and I, I see people from all over the globe. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? We've got some folks here that are from all over the United States. Different. We've, we've got a connect group that's called the out-of-towners and almost everybody in that group is somebody that moved in to Greenville from out of town. I think it's wonderful. We've got a precious couple here this morning from Lithuania. They traveled the furthest to be at Faith Assembly this morning, by the way. Got some folks from Africa. Yeah. Because our vision, remember, is to be a multicultural church worshiping the one true God. Amen. And you know what? In, as wonderful as it is, as we're here and we're worshiping the Lord together and the Spirit of God's moving, He's touching hearts, He's blessing people, in none of that exercise is God going to step in and make any one of us perfect. You understand that? So therefore, we have to bear with one another. Forgive one another. And you say, Pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. You know, you don't understand that, but I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. One thing that I'm impressed with in the Scripture is the absences of asterisks and fine print. You don't find the asterisk to issue a disclaimer at the bottom of the page. It just says what it says. And it says, forgive one another. Without terms or conditions, forgive one another. Very forthright. And above all, put on love. Don't let your kindness. How many of you know we can be kind to people? We can be patient with people. We can even be a little bit forgiving to people. And we can do it grudgingly. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the next message when we talk about how that Christ came for us to have a, a right spirit. Sometimes we've got to look beyond the offense and we've got to see the person created in the image of God and we've got to show genuine kindness, real forgiveness and sincere patience that is rooted and built upon love. And then Paul says, allow the peace of God to rule in your life. Rest in Him. Trust in Him. Show that your trust is in Him. And then Paul says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Allow that word, as you're reading the scriptures, you're studying the word, allow it to teach you. Allow it to inform you. Allow it to shape you and mold you into what Christ is trying to make of you. Allow it even to correct you. And with it, encourage one another. And then Paul says this in this final verse here, and we're going to wrap up. Verse 17. Operate in holy conduct. 
I, I once heard a, a gentleman share a message and he was talking about his experience as a Marine he said he went down to the recruiting office he signed up he said and those folks were so kind to me he said they gave me a little little stipend to go get me some lunch and everything he said but when I came back from lunch and all the paperwork was processed and everything he said that sergeant come over to me and he gave me my uniform he said now step to attention son you belong to the United States Marines you're not your own you don't represent you anymore but you represent the United States Marines now I believe he continued on to say something like and son the gates of heaven are guarded by the US Marines But you, you and me, we're not here to represent us anymore. Paul says that we are Christ's ambassadors. In other words, we're here on this earth, but we're representing the interests of someplace else. We may be here in this earthly domain, but we're representing the interests of heaven here on earth. And as we walk out of these doors today, we need to be sure that we're right. We need to be sure that we're walking in the light and that we are exhibiting Christ's likeness as we leave this place and that in everything that we do, be it our business transactions or our relationships or the way we treat our families or the way we treat our neighbors and co-workers, we need to be sure that they're seeing the light of Christ shine through us because we're not here to represent our attitude. We're not here to represent our emotions or our feelings. We're here to represent the kingdom of God. Amen. Be holy as he is holy. Set yourself apart from the things of this world. Don't behave like a lost and dying world is behaving. But exemplify Christ in everything that you do. We're not seeking things based on our desires anymore. But we're doing everything that we do for the glory and the honor of the King. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.